Welcome to Revved Up for Sunday Electionary Podcast from the Clergy of St. Mark's Episcopal Church in New Canaan, Connecticut. I'm John Kennedy. I'm Elizabeth Garnsey. And today we are at the beginning again. Happy New Year. It's Advent. Advent is the beginning of the church year. And what better way to ring in the new year with a passage about the end of the world? (laughs) Jesus always does this to us. Every Advent, we get a reading about what sounds like the end of the world. This is from Mark chapter 13, verses 24 through 37. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey, when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. Ooh, happy New Year. Happy New Year, yeah. (laughs) Wow, this is incredible. I I love going back to Mark because Mm -hmm. it's so, it's the earliest gospel, it's so urgent, it's so stark, and Mm -hmm. all of that is in this this passage. It is. Um, It it might be worth saying that Jesus is speaking to Peter, James, John, and Andrew. He's Uh just like called apart a few disciples. Right. And so this is kind of a private warning or lesson maybe for them. Good point. Um, and you know, in Mark, I'm reminded that, you know, the watchwords in Mark are listen and watch. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of healing of deaf ears and, um, and blindness, and it's a constant yes. refrain of listening and watching and Love Jesus yeah. constantly warning. And so here we get this climactic mm-hmm. watch, you know, keep awake, keep alert. Right. Um, if your name is Gregory, 
it's a good day for you because that 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 name means uh, vigilance or watchfulness. I didn't know that. Okay. So I was hoping Rob would be with us wearing a Gregory T-shirt or something like that. <laughs> be like, be a Gregory in Advent. There are a lot of great. <laughs> Shout out to all of our Gregories in, in church. Yeah. I know, yeah, but that's a complete diversion. No, no. Um, but you know, these words are so much a part of Mark, and I, uh, you know, there's yeah. a lot of let those with ears hear and those right. with eyes see. Right. Um, I really like that. Yeah, I think I think so too. So I just mm-hmm. wanted to frame it that a little bit that that we've yeah. got these motifs and that Jesus has pulled aside his kind of key disciples, mm-hmm. Peter, James, and John, um, and he's giving them a lesson about what's about to happen. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Speaking of the question of of what's about to happen and and what is Jesus talking about here? So, uh, you know, maybe a few more words of framing would be that. This, this teaching uh, is given uh, while Jesus is seated on the Mount of Olives. Uh, he is in Jerusalem, or is Mount of Olives outside of Jerusalem? Um, we need Peter for that. We need Peter for that. It's close. <laughs> or a map. Or, or there. <laughs> we, didn't or a map. we didn't look it up. But either way, this yeah. is Holy Week. So even though we've... Yeah, mm-hmm. it, we, yeah, right, right. We've switched Gospels, but we're actually basically in the same period that has been covered in Matthew over the past several weeks now, mm-hmm. where Jesus uh, is in his final days in Jerusalem before his death. So most of his activity and teaching has been in Jerusalem since he's entered, you know, had the triumphal entry. Mm-hmm. But now he's withdrawn to the Mount of Olives, and he has been talking about in the passages that precede this one about the destruction of the temple. Yeah, His disciples are admiring the temple. This mm-hmm. temple was magnificent it was something like it's it's main court was something like the size of two nfl football fields Mm -hmm. and it was obviously a great point of pride for the king uh herod who began that building project also a great point of you know vanity that sort of pride Mm -hmm. uh just to say that jesus as as significant as the temple was to um jewish life and and um and worship jesus was was apparently not very impressed you know, Jesus was never impressed by human pride or its various mm-hmm. displays, right. which is what I love about Jesus. I think that's mm-hmm. what we love about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so his disciples are admiring the splendor of the temple. And Jesus says, you know, I tell you, not one stone will remain upon another. Mm-hmm. And he foretells the destruction of the temple. And that leads into this teaching where the really apocalyptic language, uh, which we saw last week as well with Christ the King and the judgment of the nations, a different sort of apocalyptic language, but very much in the same genre here. Uh, we have language about the moon not giving its light, the sun being darkened, the stars falling from heaven, and powers in the heavens being shaken. Mm-hmm. I think this is what leads a lot of people to think that this passage is talking about the end of the world. Right. Because if this stuff really happened, well, that would be the end. Yeah, <laughs> that know? would be the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, something very much like it. It would be a cataclysm. Mm-hmm. But it's very possible that Jesus is at least in this passage, I'm, I, I do think Jesus has stuff to say about the end of the world. Mm-hmm. But I think in this passage, he's talking about the destruction of the temple. Mm-hmm. He says, this generation will not pass away until these things have taken place. And I, I, I'm going to just keep naming N.T. Wright as somebody I draw from a lot with his New Testament scholarship because mm-hmm. he's, you know, written volumes upon volumes, not only about Jesus, but also about Paul. He's really devoted his life to the study of the New Testament and its world, Mm -hmm. Second Temple Judaism. And I think he's so helpful for illuminating, especially eschatological matters. And he's firmly of the opinion 
that Jesus is really talking about the temple here, Mm -hmm. that what Jesus was doing in, let's say, calling 12 disciples, uh, among other things he did, was reconstituting the people of God around himself, Mm -hmm. which is to say that prior to Jesus, what it was to be the people of God was to be oriented to the temple, Mm -hmm. even though Israelites and Jews lived you know, all throughout the Holy Land, the temple in Jerusalem was the focal point. Right. And so regular pilgrimage was really an important part yeah. of being a faithful Jew. Mm-hmm. Jesus comes along and speaks in a way and acts in a way that suggests that he thinks of himself as the new temple, mm-hmm. the new center. Mm-hmm. And by calling 12 disciples, it's like 12 new tribes. Mm-hmm. And obviously this passage is talking about some sort of judgment that's about to befall his people. And that judgment, perhaps it can be thought of in other ways, but one of the ways we can think about it and how Jesus seems to be talking about it is that it will be along the lines of how you respond to Jesus, or at the very least, how you respond to his message, Mm -hmm. which is one of, you know, basically, if you know, put it in in very casual language, I know the Romans are terrible. I I know that they, you know, they're they're messing up our, our, our life here, but... But violence is not the way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if you resort to violence and armed revolution, this is what you're going to get. Yeah. And, you know, God is doing a new thing here in, in my life, in my teaching. And the call is to, you know, repent, to turn around, mm-hmm. uh, which is what repent means. And, um, you know, hear the word of the gospel and and believe that the kingdom of God is at hand and that mm-hmm. this is what it looks like, what I'm doing, how I'm living, what I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. And if you persist in going against this, you know, this is what's going to happen. And, and so the destruction of the temple can be seen as a sign that Jesus was right, that he really is God's anointed and that um, to, um, you know, uh, I mean, in Deuteronomy, Moses says, put before you life and death, choose life, that to choose life is to go with Jesus, which raises all sorts of questions for, you know, matters of like supersessionism and so on. Uh, It's a really thorny matter. And I just, I just want to signal that I'm aware of the questions that that raises for Mm -hmm. like interreligious relationships between Christians and Jews for, for, Mm -hmm. for one thing. But, but that's, I think some of what's going on here. Yeah. N.T. Wright's great resource. (laughs) You're right. He, he's very much, you know, contrasting the the path of peace Mm -hmm versus following the path of violence, which is ends in destruction. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I also love how he frames this passage um, very much as Jesus naming things that are right about to happen, yeah. literally. And I think um, e- even more than the, the fall of the temple, um, he's also showing, he's also telling his disciples literally about walking them through what they are about to walk through. Mm-hmm. Um, and even two chapters later, the sun is darkened when Jesus is on the cross, mm-hmm. at, you know, at three o'clock in the afternoon yeah. and the, the earth shakes and the temple curtains torn into, you know, that great schizo that we have in, right, in right. Mark that, that yeah. also begins the gospel of, um, the heavens torn open, you know, ah, the dove yes. comes. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of that in Mark sort of bracketing with this imagery, but, um, and James Allison to me is very helpful with this passage too, uh, because he he makes a point of saying of reminding us how Jesus is talking to just these four disciples mm-hmm. who are the key like players in carrying out the mission later. But 
they're literally about to fail in every way and not keep awake at any right. point. So true. <laughs> and, so true. You know, they're, they, he, Jesus says about that day and hour, no one knows, neither mm-hmm. the angels in heaven nor the sun. Be aware, be aware, keep alert. You do not know when the time will come. And he, and he goes on about this man going on a journey that Jesus is about to go away. And that's what the time breaking in will look like when, mm-hmm. when Jesus goes, it's time to recognize how he's going and, yeah. and yeah. why he's going. And, um, and, then, and I love how he says this man going on a journey leaves home and puts his slaves in charge or his, mm-hmm. his servants, each with his work, you know, Peter, James, John, Andrew, and the rest, right. yeah, and yeah. commands the doorkeeper, you know, Peter holding the keys to be on the watch. And therefore keep awake. And then he goes on to say, you do not know when the master of the house will, will come, which he's framed now as the master having gone. Mm-hmm. But in the evening, you know, we've got the last supper mm-hmm. where they do not know at all what Jesus is talking about and predicting with his mm-hmm. bread, his body broken and his blood poured out. Yeah. And then we get at midnight, you know, he says, you don't know, will it be in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or at dawn? Mm-hmm. At midnight, they're in the Garden of Gethsemane and Judas comes and Jesus is handed over. They're asleep. You know, yeah. they sleep through the whole thing. Or they're, at least they're not alert and ready for that. Mm-hmm. And um, at cockcrow, of course, we have Peter denying Jesus. And then at dawn, Jesus is led into Pilate and swapped out for Barabbas. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all of them are just dumbstruck and have no idea what they're seeing. So in a way, he's he's letting them all know they're about to fail at all of this. Right. And as James Allison frames this as the great mercy of God to Mm -hmm. to let them fail and be the ones who can bear witness to how we all fail to be alert. But that. Um, they didn't fail forever. You know, they mm-hmm. finally did yes, recognize indeed. it when Jesus returns and um, in his resurrection and with peace and forgiveness on his lips and they they get it. They mm-hmm. finally have their eyes opened mm-hmm. and that isn't even part of the Matthew, of the Mark and gospel. It ends with this cliffhanger. It does. Where they've yeah. all run away. Um, so the story is really about failing. Yeah. And James Allison calls it the mercy for screw ups. That's so <laughs> good. Know? Yeah. And I think yeah. that's so good too. And yeah. you know, this son of man who is coming has no violence. He's got mm-hmm. no vengeance in this mm-hmm. apocalyptic. And it's just all about, um, will we recognize this one who has, who goes away in this way, you know, mm-hmm. who's willingly suffers in, in Again, I yeah. say this all the time, you know, exposing our violence and showing mm-hmm. us what it looks like not to follow the path of peace and right. to, to slip into the path of violence right. and that contagion that just mm-hmm. sweeps through crowds and we think it's a solution, but um, it plays out all over the world how it's not. So true. So for his disciples, um, that's so immediate. That's not no, so much about an end time as about mm-hmm. the time just around the corner. Yeah. And... Um, you know, I think Mark is written for a people under huge persecution and oppression, mm-hmm. and um, they're being taught to recognize how to how to respond and how to live under under the circumstances. Um, so there's urgency because it's life and death around every corner. Wow, yeah, I love the mercy for screw ups take on this. <laughs> it's really helpful. Yeah, it is yeah. that this is describing what these four disciples and, and really all the male disciples do, which is fail. They do not keep awake. Right. And yet that's not the end of their story. 
Mm-hmm. And the women too in Mark actually run away. I mean, okay. they're afraid. Yeah. I, I think they don't do that throughout, but at the at the, at the tomb, tomb, right? They she, he, Jesus says, "Go and tell," and and they mm-hmm. run away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. Not knowing what to do. They do. So yeah, yeah it's collective. Right, right. You know, I think I think that that puts some really helpful context uh, on a story that sounds like it's about judgment and doom that to receive God's mercy does not require that you get it right yeah. um, all the time or even you, you get it totally right any of the time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a matter of something else. Right, and it's having that, our ears opened and our, our eyes right. open. Yes, uh, right. Over and, time. and of course our, our failings are, at least in my experience, the best way to um, open in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the the I mean, there's this, um, uh, you know, old, old theological idea, you know, happy fault or felix culpa, you know, the saints in heaven rejoice mm-hmm. over their sins because they were the occasion of their salvation. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great phrase. So I think that's like a good word of mercy and, and mm-hmm. hope for, for those of us who, are, who wrestle with texts like this and think like, you know, mm-hmm. um, is, is, is Jesus, you know, teaching this, this message of, of judgment and, right. and destruction um, and, and the need to be ready mm-hmm. uh, in, in such a way that sort of um, at least, you know, doesn't seem compatible right. with his teachings of mercy mm-hmm. um, or at least um, or, or even might seem to contradict them. And I think it's all, all of a piece. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, Jesus's message obviously was absolutely peace and mercy. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, as he says in mm-hmm. the Gospels. Um, but he also saw that there were real stakes, that um, mm-hmm. there are real consequences to our refusal and our failings to turn mm-hmm. again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And that uh, the end result of, of all that is destruction. Yeah, uh, It's not destruction that God uh, sends on us, although that is biblical language uh, that, you know, in, in the Old Testament, uh, as I think I said in a recent podcast, you know, we have this, this theme of um, God calls a people and calls them to walk in a certain way, and when they don't, uh, and again, that that walking in that way, among other things, has a lot to do with how you treat like the vulnerable. It's mm-hmm. other, justice is at the center of it, um, and and when the people don't walk in that way, you know, it's said that you know God sends the Babylonians and so on. I think it's it that's metaphorical language. Um, I mean, in a certain way, God's responsible. I would say that God is responsible for for everything that happens because God created a universe in which things happen that um, God doesn't always cause, but at least allows. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there are certain laws uh, it, built in, into the, the workings of the world, you know, just like gravity, the law of gravity dictates that when I let go of my pen, it falls mm-hmm. uh, in a similar way. You know, when we like don't listen to voices like Jesus, when we don't follow the wisdom mm-hmm. of Jesus, uh, stuff goes wrong. And so I was thinking about, you know, in our, our, in our present day, what could be the sort of apocalyptic situation that we risk <laughs> running aground of um, if, if we're not watchful and really vigilant about, mm-hmm. like, how we're living? I mean, obviously, there's a terrible war going on right now in the Holy Land. And um, Ukraine, yeah. And Ukraine. We cannot forget <laughs> Ukraine. That's <laughs> the worst thing. Yeah. Well, it's the worst thing that, that we, we don't have enough 
time to pay attention to both. <laughs> um, and in Africa, absolutely right. There are always wars going on, and they're, they're absolutely terrible. Um, we are so fortunate to not live in a war-torn country right now, although some people talk about doom and gloom, say that the Civil War is coming, but, you know, um, that's a conversation for another time. But we're, that's not actually our situation right now. Um, but, you know, my mind goes to, to climate change, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tragic irony of climate change that the actions of the most privileged and powerful disproportionately affect the underprivileged and, and dispossessed, you know, the not powerful, but nonetheless, it's coming for us all, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is absolutely going to come mm-hmm. for us all. Uh, and it's, it's totally a result of our really kind of refusal to, um, you know, ease on the throttle of our mm. progress. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of a contemporary connection that I think yeah. of. That uh, if we want to walk in the way of life and peace, mm-hmm. um, we need to listen to to voices like Jesus. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's so it's I guess a, a reflex and for some a cop out maybe to try to blame the outside forces mm-hmm. for our own destruction. Yes. And it's convenient also mm-hmm. because it can make us feel helpless and <laughs> have no agency and yeah. you know no matter what it's going in this direction, but. It's sort of self-fulfilling because mm-hmm. if we do nothing, this is what happens. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, and I think in Mark, too, it's important to note that uh, we'll be hearing a lot of Mark in, in B. Year, you know, year B in our lectionary is going to drill us deep mm-hmm. down into Mark. And it's a, it's a real gospel of hope for people suffering. And so I think in, given the times that we're living in, there's never a bad time to hear that, but it's especially poignant when the world just really seems to be unraveling yes. in a new way yeah. and um you know for mark people uh were either just about to and they could see the, si- the handwriting on the wall or mm-hmm. did have had just lost the right. temple and to be a jew at that time your entire you know jesus here is saying heaven and earth will pass away yes. it must have felt like that yeah, totally you know so for him to say but my words will not pass away mm-hmm. you know and keep awake that that's really such a grounding lesson and mm-hmm. a grounding reminder that um not everything is passing away. Yeah. And, and uh, so th- I think that we'll find that as this gospel unfolds for us. But yeah. we're starting out at this uh, high inflection point of the, the little apocalypse in mm-hmm. Mark. So mm-hmm. yeah. it's pretty, um, pretty uh, bracing, mm-hmm. but also filled with hope and filled with um, mercy, as we've mm-hmm. said. And just this, this key reminder to just keep awake and yes. do things that keep our eyes open and make sure that we're um, reminding ourselves what Jesus points to and teaches about and, and helps us to see. Yeah. Uh, and we, we can't just rely on our, our you know, sort of worst natures no, <laughs> of, no. of shoring up and closing off. And, yeah. you know, we need to always be looking for the, the neighbor. Yes. Right. So. Right. Yeah, I was just listening to Thomas Merton the other day, and um, there are all these wonderful recordings of him teaching uh, novices in the monastery. So he's a monk talking to other monks. And uh, somehow the question came up of like, you know, what is a good monk? And is it ever good to think of yourself as a good monk? And he's like, the only way to think of yourself as a good (laughs) monk is is as a bad monk who's trying to be better. Um, So just to say like, Jesus, this is a a shock to our complacency. You know, Mm -hmm. I think so often it's, it's comforting to think like, I'm basically a good person. I'm doing the best I can. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, you know, uh, to follow the Dalai Lama, I think our, our basic nature is compassion and goodness. So I'm not saying we're 
we're bad people. But the question is like, how are we living? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think there's a real complacency in terms of how people evaluate or just don't evaluate. Like, how am Mm -hmm. I doing? And Jesus is saying, you know, keep a watch, keep, keep, away keep watchful um and i think this is the basis for christian practices like the examine you Mm -hmm. know like at the end of the day thinking like you know taking stock of like Mm -hmm. how did i walk in the way of jesus and how did i not and how can i do better tomorrow right um and that's that's a great way to begin advent i think with with an invitation for for all of us us and our listeners to find ways to examine ourselves and you know that's really the theme of the season is to create some space and time to re-examine and, and reflect on yeah. um, where God is. And, you know, mm-hmm. to echo your Dalai Lama sentiment in, in terms of the Christian lens is that we have the divine light mm-hmm. in us. Christ yeah. lives in us. And um, we're not always awake to it. So I guess mm-hmm. it's a time of awakening and finding the light to, to shed on that for ourselves so we can yeah. go and reflect it out into the world. Amen. I just want to say one more thing because I raised the question of supersessionism and by extension, it might <laughs> not be a word, word that everybody yeah. knows, but <laughs> supersessionism is the idea that um, in Christ and in the Christian movement, uh, God... Um, replaced the covenant he had made with the Jews and sort of made a new covenant with the Christian people, which obviously includes a lot of Jews, but nonetheless, sort of the old covenant that existed before Jesus is um, invalid or at least just like less important. And that's obviously a very thorny matter. And I don't want to sound like I'm pushing any sort of supersessionist ideas. Um, You know, just because the temple was destroyed, its significance at that time could not be overstated. It really felt like the end of the world Mm -hmm. uh, and was perhaps a, a judgment could be seen as a judgment on certain things that were going on uh, among the people of Jesus's day. But nonetheless, I don't think signals necessarily signals. And I don't believe it does signal the end of God's covenant with the Jewish people. No way, yeah. They reformed and, and well, they reoriented themselves. Rabbinical. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And their tradition continues to this day. And I just think that's, mm-hmm. and I, I think they are absolutely God's people. Mm-hmm. Even, even to this day, I think, especially with what's going on in the world right now, I just wanted to clarify that's oh, where yeah. we stand on that matter. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. And we hope that this podcast kept you awake. Uh, and we really encourage you to, to follow uh, Elizabeth's invitation to, to observe Advent by uh, engaging in practices that, that help you keep awake and, and watchful, because that is really one of the great gifts of the season. Uh, thank you again for being with us. We look forward to being with you next time. Please comment, like, and subscribe. And if you like, give us a call and leave us a voicemail. That number is 203-442-5002. That's 203-442-5002. Peace. Oh, 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 oh,